Hey guys, uh, welcome to Gun Day Brunch. And surprisingly, based on how we ended the last episode, none of us were renditioned after that commentary. So thank God. <laughs> I had no idea. Still here. I had no idea what we were talking about. Um, Not at all. This week's but episode. We will be talking thanks to these people. I didn't even have to queue it up this time. That was great. Uh, make sure you guys like, share, subscribe, uh, comment, show it to your friends tape them to chairs, do the whole uh, Clockwork Orange thing, force them to watch all, uh, uh, 50, this is episode 51, actually. Ah, crap, last episode was our 50th episode, and I didn't say anything special for it. What a yeah, shame. Yeah, but this next episode will be one year. Oh, my God, it will be one year of the show. That's even better. All right, we'll do something special for the next episode, like get renditioned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we just start, everybody just pulls a bag off Record, their bed. Like, recording in progress. <laughs> <laughs> like in a closet. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, <laughs> it's been room. good. HK so, finally got a hold of us. <laughs> speaking of HK, uh, this week we're talking about why the best machine guns ever came from the nineties. Uh, well, sub guns and stuff yeah, like that. Well, yeah. and like this, and then kind of how the last week we talked about how it's the golden era of nine millimeter pistols, right? The nineties was the golden era of submachine guns, even though hundred percent, even yeah. though some of them were older than like the MP5 actually came out in like the late seventies, I think. But uh, uh-uh. you're gonna you're gonna be really upset when I tell you this. Hang on, MP5 I... release date. Yeah. Uh, hold on. It... I got it. It was designed in 1964, produced from yeah. 1966. Yep. Yeah. God, we're old. 60s. So anyway, <laughs> so even though some of them came from the 1960s, the 90s was really the heyday of the subgun. It was when like every if you were on a SWAT team and you didn't have submachine guns, if you were like all the special operations units, when did the Navy SEALs movie come out? Navy SEALs, uh, I want to say late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. That That's right in that era. Uh, yeah. One of my good friends. Tom 1990. Alabrando, 1990. That's it. Yep. Uh, one, of, one of my good friends, Tom Alabrando, um, it, when he first made SWAT, uh, when he was a cop in Arizona, MP5, baby, like subguns, subguns in the 90s. Can we, one, Navy SEALs, 1990. Yeah fantastic terrible movie with a yes. lot of great gun stuff that happens in it but absolutely god going thermal will always like sit with me as like that's that's cool that's cool uh <laughs> i've had a friend who was on the teams tell me that charlie sheen waking up drunk and confused on the beach is a 100 accurate portrayal of many of his days in the teams and i was like <laughs> cool i respect that uh that's that's pretty gangster actually uh i think i think yeah i've had a similar conversation with i think the same team dude yeah you might have been the same guy actually yeah guys this is the second episode in a row where jack and i are like we are we talking about the same person here (laughs) oh yeah after all this guy doesn't own a steyer handgun so (laughs) (laughs) he owns a tommy gun though which is a submachine gun and i think that okay so sub guns right i love sub guns i built my uh sbr to be the closest thing i can get to a legal new manufactured subgun uh you know i'm just waiting on my frt to show up in minecraft um <laughs> but it's and there's something about submachine guns that is 
cool. Whether and it started, I really think it started with our cultural obsession with the Tommy gun, like yes. with the Thompson submachine gun. That's where it starts because you can't tell me that the you know the trench like those things looked cool in the Rocketeer when the mafia guys whip out their Thompsons Thompsons and go gah, 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 and just full flash blanks, fire shooting everywhere. Uh, also, no, no. yes, that was a the, Tom, the Thompsons started a lot of people's love affair with the subgun culture. And, and the Thompsons a massive beast. It's a heavy gun. But people started seeing that and there was like, that's cool. That does things that these other guns don't do. And that's awesome. So and then everyone rolling around and like saving private Ryan with a with a Thompson if they they're anybody important as opposed to the grands for the general guys like the the Thompson was like yep me. If, if you really talk to like and look at the World War II stuff, no one really liked the Thompson compared no. to the Grease gun. Comparatively, a Thompson is very heavy. It's mm-hmm. hard to shoot. Um, I've I've put a few thousand rounds to full auto Thompsons. Thankfully, I have some friends that were very generous um, to let me shoot those guns. And then I shot one grease gun one time. And I was like, that would have been the gun I carried. That would mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. That thing's light. It's easy to control. Oh, the rate of firing is so slow. You can go, it's like. Yeah, it's down to like 550 or 5 or anything. They built that really well. It's just part of that second generation of sub guns that are all ugly as sin. Yeah, you just, you don't even want to look at those things. No, but I'm going to shoot with my eyes closed. If you talk about like there are there are American cultural guns, and the Thompson is a hundred percent one of them, mm-hmm. and it's it's a weird one because it's also a bad guy gun, and mm-hmm. that's the first time. Like, let's talk about like when we talk about bad guy guns, submachine guns are going to be a lot of them that come up. Mm-hmm. Like I remember talking with like, okay. The Mac 10 and the Uzi are also perfectly yes, good like, examples of that. I was gonna bring that up yeah, because they're they're they, very they were on much both sides of the narco wars. Yeah. Well, and also most people can't tell a Mac 10 from an Uzi. Well, uh, they all they all look like that same machine pistol type T-shaped type platform, and mm-hmm. it's always bad guys. Always uh, bad guys. Well, so usually, but wait, hang on, before we get into that, just real fun fact for our listeners out there. Um, Mac 10s and Mac 11s are currently among the most affordable of pre-86 transferable guns out there. You can get a r- low round count Mac 10 or Mac 11 for like nine grand. So, mm-hmm. you know, how many of us have spent nine grand on a hoopty car? Like we all have. So I'm just saying. I had an we- option for a pre-86 Mac 10 uh, for 3500 and I kick myself every day for passing it up, but that yeah, was the price. You're a dumb, dumb idiot. Because um, <laughs> machine no, guns are a mistake. Cool. All right, so back to what you're saying, Jack, about how they were on both sides, but I think I associate them as, like, the bad guy gun. So we, if you, like, watch, there's a lot of stuff where, like, there's a lot of, like, probably lies around the back 10. Yeah. Um, in both, like, there are stories about how it was marketed and I'm going to tell a couple of them and I'm going to tell them with this caveat, you got to take these with a grain of salt. They probably maybe didn't happen, but for the fable of the American submachine gun, they're too cool not to tell the guy who made them. I think his name is Robert Ingram. That's why this mm-hmm. Ingram said that the Mac 11 was designed for a room of very surprised colonels. 
<laughs> now, <laughs> if you don't get that, I'm sorry. Oh, There's a story that today. he had a Mac 10 with a suppressor in a hotel suite. And when room service knocked on the door, he walked into the bedroom with a Mac 10 and dumped the entire magazine into a bed closed the door to the bedroom walked over and picked up the stuff from room service the room service guy had no idea so he was selling now i i having shot submachine guns indoors and having shot suppressed weapons i have a lot of questions about that because like i have a volume they, of they don't make but... no noise like... Wait, they don't make no noise they certainly make a lot of smoke and that suppressor would have been hot yep but I've also been in rooms where people fired suppressed weapons and no sound was made. So there's like this potential that it could have maybe sort of happened. I don't know. That one I think might have been like lies. But you can't say that Ingrams weren't being marketed in a way that was very much the early to the late 80s to early 90s where it was like, we built this for doing bad stuff. And so those guns were popular among everybody there's a picture of an atlanta police officer during a swat raid he's apd swat and he's 1980s as af oh yeah black fatigues green <laughs> alice pistol belt harness combo with like canteen pouches full of magazines and he has a m16 a1 or colt sp1 in his hand and he has a mac 10 with suppressors slung across his chest that guy was that guy was there to kill people and fuck bitches, and he had fucked all the bitches. So yeah, so we're just down to the last one. Um, and there's a lot of really cool like '90s mods that I've seen. Um, I've got a thing for narco guns, especially yeah. from that period, um, where you like see these tight, high capacity weapons. AR-180s with 40 oh. round magazines were really yes. popular. Um, I kind of want to. I kind of want to build an AR-180 and just as a, a throwback <laughs> to that era. Um, but like the Mac tens are cool because you'll see Mac tens with like over the top lasers under the barrel, uh, suppressor mounted mag lights, um, and they're all jerry rigged. None of this stuff is like really well made. There, there wasn't. There wasn't the factory accessories that we no. see nowadays heck claw mounting an optic on stuff was still kind of a weird radical idea in the 90s we were just kind of getting over that like hmm, maybe it would be advantageous to add some stuff onto these these weapons that uh, make it easier to do what they're for i love the the sheer variety of shrouds that make it so you can grab the suppressor yes. on a Mac 10, none of which were produced by the company that made them. It was all aftermarket stuff. It was all craziness. And the whole idea was so that, you know, for people who are watching the video, so that you could clamp over the top of it and tuck it down here and just rip it through the room. Like sighted sights? Sights are for pussies. Have you seen the sights on a Mac 10? They are the second most useless sights I've ever seen on a firearm. They right? exist to exist. Yeah, they're there. Because it should have sights on it, I guess, but they, it's really it's a gun that cries for a laser. Yes. And mm -hmm. they they put them on there. Like one of the coolest, if you've ever seen the flick New Jack City, Who one hasn't? of the cool great film. Um, 
Ice-T at one point, who's a DEA narcotics officer in San, who knows, is doing a drug raid and he's got a Calico 100 with the short barrel on it, Ugh, those 100 so round cool. the electrical round magazine, magazine and a laser sight and a suppressor on it and a foregrip. And he's like, ah! And I'm like, that that's a commando from the 90s. That's a dude just like the narco war submachine gun era led to later 90s everybody was running mp5s and doing it like they were navy seals but it started with hip fired full auto randomness on both sides and secret service started running you know was running mini uzis didn't, uh, didn't the calico turn up in tangle and cash as well yes oh god there that's a movie right there um and for you guys, if you never saw a Calico, that was another gun that's like, you don't reload them. They just, nope. you, you have this like big cylinder, like a Pringles can full of bullets on top of this thing. And you can't look at the Calico and then look at a picture of a P90 and tell me like the P90 is like, Papa? <laughs> <laughs> Daddy? And the Calico is like, like, I don't know you. I don't know you. Uh, I got, did I get really drunk in Belgium one night? <laughs> that is actually probably what happened. If what you're is honest. Belgium for father? Are you back with the milk and cigarettes? Because <laughs> we start the 90s with this and we end it with this. That's 10 years of submachine gun time. That was pretty cool. And you got to, because the, the P90 came out in like 1999. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was. I think it was like a '97 development because it started the it started the PDW race, which gave us two of the coolest sub guns from the era: the P90 and the MP7. Oh shit, guys! The the, the MP- P90 came out in 1990. So, funny story. P90 comes out 1990 is hardly seen anywhere. First mm-hmm. time most people see it in public is the Spawn movie. Mm-hmm. But they weren't P90s. They were mocked up Mac 10s. I did not know that. And today if you I watch learned it, a thing. If you watch it in high def, you can see that there are like Mac 10 magazines sitting out of these mocked up P90s. There's a website that shows pictures of them um, because the guy had seen the P90, heard it was the latest and greatest thing, and was like, I want that in the movie. I'm like, we can't get that in the movie. They don't exist for us. He's like, we'll make it happen. They mocked it up. Hmm. Um, so I think well, what was funny about the P90 and to uh, another extent the P7 was uh, it turns out everything is cyclical because those guns were designed as with sort of the same idea in, in mind of the old M1 carbine and the later the full auto M2 carbine was as a gun to give to not frontline combat troops that was capable of defeating the soft body armor of the era that was common for when we got into a shooting war with Russia which I just think that's That's funny. not relevant today, is that's, it? It's weird um, that we're not in it. Well, we're not in a shooting war with Russia technically yet. No, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not. We are the not bags are so hot. I hate wearing <laughs> the bag. The bags are coming <laughs> no, back. Please don't, please don't put the bag on my head. I, I won't say 300 wind bag again. I brought this. <laughs> oh, no, he said it. Bye, Caleb. So, so anyway, but like, yeah, that whole PDW era that started, I mean, I think probably the first, the well, actually one of the best, the best like franchises for submachine guns 
the Stargate movie, they all have MP5s. Then in the TV show, they, barely, they all have they P90s. Very, very quickly transitioned to the uh, the P90 in the show. Which the just as an aside, the P90 has never been issued to anyone in the Air Force outside of the special operations community. But that's okay because they look fucking cool and they're great for killing aliens with. They really <laughs> are. Um, um, oh, Secret and the, Service the picked them up for the exact reason that they were super compact and you could put them a everywhere. lot of a lot of SWAT teams of the era like the early 2000s I remember running around with them and I've read some OIS reports of like if you mm, give them half a mag they work pretty yeah well. um so there's there's definitely like a micro caliber problem that the bullets have to be very selective <laughs> well and this is kind of what you know what ended up happening so we had this golden era of submachine guns where you know all the cool kids had mp5s and if you were a really cool kid you had an mp10 because that's what the fbi had and those guns slap so hard they slap harder than i slap the cocking handle on them. Uh, hr hrt late 90s guns also peak oh, me and you've talked about this peak aesthetic they, there's a video of a dude with uh, from HRT with an MP10, mm-hmm. so a 10 millimeter MP5, straight mag, mm-hmm. one mag going forward, one mag going backwards. So all you had to do was pull them, twist, and reload. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he's got an aim point on it and a super tall mount. He's got a modified Surefire forend. His stock has been cut with an extra notch so they can have like a short stock variation of it. And I'm just looking at this stuff and I'm like, short barreled, high capacity, tall red dot, bright flashlight. Where have I seen this before? Is this not the current aesthetic? (laughs) Like, how did this guy have all of this? And then we like went, we were like, all right, hold on, back to this. And they're running these super cool para grip 1911 oh, so yeah. they can have like double stack mags and you can only see them for a couple of seconds but they had like colt they had colt slides on para grips mm-hmm. for like these super cool hrt pistols all of those guns were hand built by the way those, yeah, those yeah. hrt 19 those so that was back when para was para ordinance and they just made frames they didn't do anything else they didn't make full guns they hadn't ruined anybody's dreams yet they just made frames and if you took one of their frames and you put it in the hands of a competent gunsmith it you ended up with a fucking cool gun and some of those paras are really really great um but like the 90s was peak submachine gun aesthetic and you know a little bit into the early 2000s when i kind of want to 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 I do want to take a moment and all, discuss. All the, all the sub guns, all of them kind of found their stride. They found their niche during mm-hmm. the night. Even if they were built all the way back in the 60s, every sub gun was cool in the 90s. Like there, there was. Except for the ones that Beretta made that they couldn't they get. Hit it. <laughs> so, uh, the, so for example, and this is why I wanted to talk about this, because we were talking about Stargate. And then in Battlestar Galactica, obviously, they had, they used the FN pistol. But they're the five seven pistol, but they used the Beretta PX four Storm. Mm. So, as their primary battle rifle for shooting aliens, which the problem with that is it looks really cool, but if you know it's a nine mil carbine, you're like, what? What are you doing here? But anyway, there Plus, is Cylons with. 
<laughs> there is a full auto variant of the PX4 of the CX4 Storm Carbine. It's the Beretta MX4. It's got a short barrel that just sticks out of the front of it like a nub and a big old stick magazine that comes out of the bottom. And I've never shot one because there's none of them in the United States except for like in Akakik, basically. <laughs> and they're cool looking like those things to, to me that is like the end of when guns were designed to look cool and also maybe work because man like you pull if you pull up a picture of the beretta mx4 storm there's one on wikipedia fucking looks good it's a good looking gun baker has one of these who does the sbr chris baker oh yeah well he's got this from he lucky gunner yeah but he, I mean, he chopped the barrel and he put a suppressor yeah. on it. That was the first time I looked at one of the, I don't like it with the long barrel. No, with the uh, long barrel, it, it was never supposed the to The National Firearms barrel. Act has ruined the aesthetic of so many firearms. The P90. The PS90 with that 16-inch barrel is one of the dumbest looking guns I've ever seen. The P90 the with that little short barrel. With oh, the God. two trilugs. The oh. trilug at the long end of the barrel and then the trilug down here because they know like yeah, you're going to chop that. Remember the HK USC, the Universal Service oh Carbine? Oh, God, that was yeah. so terrible. With and the, they all the, have the weird pass-through stock. stock. The, yeah. The Beretta has that, too. Yeah, but on the Beretta, it looks good because it was it's kind of swoopy, and it, like, sort of blends into the aesthetic the, of the, the gun. The H&K one looks like it's this piece of plastic that just had to it fold looks... between the stock that could no longer fold and do the cool thing, and they just had to staple it to the bottom of the pistol grip, too. And then they put a 16-inch pencil barrel on it for a 45 caliber carbine, and it looks so dumb. The I mean, Uzi with a 16-inch barrel. Have you seen this? It's the yes. dumbest-looking gun ever. And, and so, yeah, like, and here's the other thing. If you were a cool guy, you would just buy the machine guns. They were relatively cheap at the time. But if you weren't, there were carbine versions of them, and maybe you know someone that can chop and crown a barrel if you pay the $200 tax stamp. You know what I wish? I wish that I could go back in time to like 1985 and, you know, obviously with some money that would work back then because I can't take my Bitcoin, but go back, in Bitcoin, time to, please. <laughs> go back in time to 1985 and just buy all of the tra as many transferable machine guns as I possibly could and just and go back and like just register every just. I would just blow the register. There, there are some guy. There, there are some guys who were future sighted back then, who had lowers and had, and and had raw receivers, who made very sound investments by just being like, ah, that's closing. I'm going to stamp all these. Mm -hmm. And two hundred dollars back in eighty five, eighty six, very that a lot more money than it is today. Like one one of the reasons that the NFA craze started is two hundred bucks isn't that much anymore. Two hundred bucks in eighty five. 200 bucks. Well, and that was uh, just as a, a side note on why the NFA is uh, a heinous law and should be immediately repealed tomorrow. Um, when, when it was passed in 1935, 200 bucks was a ban because who had fucking $200 sitting around when the average wage was like a nickel was a day? More, and also, so bucks, I think, was more than the Thompson machine gun at the time. It was, I think it was more than the Thompson machine gun itself at the time. So yeah. the tax on the gun was I more than it cost like 50 bucks back then. Anyway, we were all born too late for transferable mail order machine guns. Well, that's depressing. And that's how we're going to end this episode, but we're not getting renditioned. So, um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Keith, last thoughts. 
Uh, I still love my MP5. I like modernizing it, but it, I, I love the classic look. It just, that thing slaps. Jack. Pistol caliber carbines are weird, but submachine guns are cool. I concur with all of those statements. Uh, and that's why you definitely, if you do have a, a short barrel PCC, you should definitely put a binary trigger in it and get as close to that as you like. I, I can confirm, I, not to derail our, our log off here, but I can confirm, I thought binary fire triggers were the goofiest thing until I put one in a nine mil. And I was like, because hmm, that's really because as as you know elder millennials all three of us really were just chasing that peak 90s aesthetic of one-handing a nine mil carbine and spraying bullets out the side of my ferrari out the side of my ferrari (laughs) in a white linen jacket (laughs) while my partner sprays the dash with machine gun fire errantly (laughs) marcus what Ooh, that's my bad <laughs> all right guys we will see you next week thanks everybody for watching <laughs>